Oh, wow. Look at that. Would you look at that? <laughs> would you, would wow. you look at that? We're recording. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get this thing started. We're calling this podcast. We're calling it Movie Freaks. Uh, we're gonna be talking about some of our favorite film series, and the idea behind it is that it's kind of like a book club, but because books are long and you can watch a movie in like two or maybe four <laughs> hours, depending on the movie. Uh, this is a little more convenient. Um, so I'm Eric, and today we're gonna be discussing the first movie and the Lord of the Rings series which is the Fellowship of the Ring. And I'm going to go around and let everybody introduce themselves, starting with Jacob. How you doing? I'm Jacob. I'm Jeff. I'm Emily. And I'm Sean. All right, I want to start this off real quick with talking about the Lordage of the Rings. In 1937, English scholar and philologist J.R.R. Tolkien published The Hobbit, a fantasy children's novel, Its success led to Tolkien's publishers basically begging for a sequel, which took him a long time to write and finally published in 1954 as The Lord of the Rings, the first book being The Fellowship of the Rings. Since its inception, it has become arguably the most influential fantasy epic ever written in modern times. Adaptations have been made for theater, radio, television, and video games while also appearing in music, art, and comics. But none of these compare to the monumental undertaking that is Peter Jackson's film trilogy released from 2001 to 2003. The budget for the films are quoted about $281 million, although some estimates put it above $300 million, which is odd because if you look at Wikipedia's list of the most expensive films to create for uh, adjusted by inflation, it's actually not even on their list, which is weird. And that's something I want to talk about maybe later on down the line. Um, well, I, have, I have a whole theory for that. I think it's worth talking like in like the, the, the second or third podcast. But each film clocks in around three hours. The extended editions are at almost a half hour or so to each one. And it's important to know that the extended editions are not director's cuts because Jackson was very happy with the theatrical releases. He just wanted to create more like fan versions. You know how it is? Hmm. Uh, Fellowship was nominated for 13 Academy Awards and won four of them. Best Cinematography, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, and Best Original Score. It won the 2002 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. And the movies have made it onto two of, actually three, but I'm only going to mention two, of AFI's uh, list, which is the American Film Institute's list that they release every once in a while. They, their list of 100 years, 100 movies, it comes in at number 50. And for AFI's top 10 of 10 for fantasy movies, the top 10 fantasy movies, it comes in at number two, rightly behind The Wizard of Oz. Oh. <laughs> Is that right, though? Because I, <laughs> okay. I don't know that I would agree with that. Well, here's the thing about The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz predates um, The Lord of the Rings, both written and, um, you know, textually, It both including the movie. It's also... Uh, when you look at what it's done both for cinema and for like fantasy, it is the original American fantasy. And I will fight anyone on that point. But this is not a Wizard of Oz podcast. This is Lord of the Rings right now. So I'm going to take my munchkin loving ass over here and, uh, <laughs> and pass it on to you guys. Let's start with uh, what do you have, Jeff? I know that we've been debating this a bit off of. Uh off of the pod recording, so I like to think that this is a little nod, a little Easter egg, but I like the fact that they had a a fairy called 
Huckleberry, and I will fight you on it. I don't care what the subtitles say. I will fight you. Fist fight. I'm All about right, to look so, this up. So, so no, I've already, I've already, I'm a step ahead of you. Looking at both the wiki and a digital copy of the book, it is called the Buckleberry Fairy. They say so quickly that it sounds like Huckleberry. Why would a New Zealand director in a movie made by a British author put in a reference to an American book? I have no idea why, <laughs> but the series, if you listen to it, they say it so quickly that it sounds like Huckleberry. You can't understand and half the crap they're saying. They all, it's like fake accents being thrown all over the place. <laughs> Fair, 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 but <laughs> honestly, I heard Huckleberry, so fight me on it. And uh, anyway, uh, one of the other th- other things that I kind of wanted to mention off the cuff is that even though it's is a really good film, the CGI, <laughs> as always, it doesn't see, it doesn't age. It didn't age that well. Mm-hmm. Like the Balrog was amazing. Right. Like the close-ups of the like the goblins' faces, those were cool. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. The Moria, the Moria chase was awesome. But some of the other things, it looked like it was almost stop-motion animation. Like well, it was I felt like, like that quality. Yeah, there was times where they intentionally slowed down, like and and were doing slow motion, but the frame rate's not particularly high, so it just seems very choppy. And I, I did feel like that was kind of an odd thing and experience. I think that was intentional. I think that's an intentional thing where they where, during the slow mo and it's like really choppy looking. But but no, I'm not even seeing something like that. I'm seeing like when they were panning over like Isengard. Some of the moments, it just looked like it was stop motion. Like it was, it was almost like stop motion watching the orcs and the all of the uh, creatures move around. But can I say that the the practical costumes that they came out with the orcai and the or orcs were awesome? Uh, so you mean unlike the entirety of all the CGI orcs in the Hobbit films? <laughs> Oh man, we're we're doing the Hobbit after this, right? Like after these three movies? Uh yeah, yeah probably at some point, yeah. Okay, cuz we cuz then we'll talk we need to talk about that. <laughs> but overall, the animation might not have aged well, aged that well with it. Some of the stuff is just great. Other times it's mediocre and other times it's like it was probably purposeful, but it was like watching it after all these years, after not watching it, I'm just like, oh, this was done a little bit better in this film. Oh, and this was done a little bit better in this film. But then again, it's like the movie's like, what, 10 years old? Mm-hmm. Uh, almost, uh, almost 19. Yes. 19. Yeah. Oh, but the, 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 the problem that I have with some of the bashing on the CGI is that even the bad CGI in the movie isn't bad. Yeah, no, it like, isn't. When you compare it to, I don't know, Star Wars uh, Attack of the Clones, and they look, the clones all look like they came out of a PS2. All right, oh, now. All right, now. Let's, so... let, let's, let's, let's put a little pause on the Attack of the Clones hate that I know is about oh, to come. 
I will no. say I wasn't particularly bothered as much by the CGI as just like the and I don't even know if it's like the editing or what of some scenes like when uh, Sauron or Saruman was fighting Gandalf on top of the tower, like the constant cuts and just throwing around. I felt like I was like, eh, I feel like maybe they would have done this a little differently nowadays. Yeah, and to kind of go off what Sean's saying there too, and, and this thing I noticed, it's it's one of the it's to me one of the few downsides about this movie is there's a real that CGI mixed with the practical effects mixed with all the random stuff creates a very uneven visual movie. Like mm-hmm. it, it just feels like like there's times you're looking at Gandalf and then they look in another scene he looks completely different. Like it just. Mm-hmm. Just even the way the color of the beard is or the color of the outfits, like there's things that weren't matched up. And that could just be because I'm watching the extended correct editions with um, the additional footage in there. But uh, that's just how I feel about those. Um, I also think it improves in the sequels. I think they actually did a lot of work between them. Yeah, Hmm. I was going to say, I don't feel like there's as many of those like slow motion like uh, moments in the sequels. But I could be mistaken. I could just forget. And speaking of editing, that Galadriel scene. <laughs> oh, my God. Where it's like oh inverted God. color, like not even, you know. <laughs> that didn't look good back then. That has no. never looked good. <laughs> no. Yeah. Every time I'm like, oh. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but when I first saw that and I was not even 10 years old, I had nightmares. So yeah. <laughs> you tell me. Instead of a dog, Which... Lord, you'll have a queen. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, speaking of when you first saw it, I think that's, like, in, Emily, weren't you going to, like, kind of bring that up? Yeah. So, um, you, you know, before we get into all of these technical details and whatnot, I just wanted to ask you guys if you could just kind of share your first experiences with the Lord of the Rings series and also, um, you know, maybe adding on to that, like, what's different about it watching it now versus when you first watched it? Do you want to be the first one to, to talk about it? Oh, okay, sure. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I can't remember if I saw all of them in theaters. I was probably I was about nine years old when Fellowship of the Ring came out, which is <laughs> surprising. But um, and I definitely remember we had the extended version on DVD. Um, so I want to say that was my first time was watching it DVD at home. And, um, cause my dad, he was a, he was a big nerd. He loved the star Wars series and then like fellowship of the Lord of the Rings, fellowship of the ring. It was like, yeah, this is cool too. And, um, I just remember loving it. I, I loved the story of it. I loved the hobbits, <laughs> Mary and Pippin, like number one characters. in Great. the whole series. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I and I continued to love it, and then I did watch um, each of the Hobbits in theaters. I know for sure, and so yeah, so that was kind of my first experience. Um, I didn't really know. I didn't really. Uh, I wasn't huge into fantasy as a kid. Um, I did like dragons and things, but like I, I didn't really. This was really kind of the only media that was really in that fantasy world that I can remember. And so um, that was pretty much my experience. Uh, definitely some things that I, I can still remember, like the uh, Nar. I never can remember 
Nazgul's Nazgul 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 Nazgul's yeah those were like terrifying to me as a kid and like they're still like ooh, (laughs) especially in this first one I feel like in the later ones it's you know they kind of become more of just like all the enemies but in this one yeah and I feel like in this one especially they just the music changes when they come on the screen and you know they're just all black and just like shrieking and it's just terrifying yeah they're like uh uh, mr x from resident evil 2 Mm. they're constantly hounding you and it just it builds that kind of tension Mm -hmm. which was really really good yeah and especially in like the first half of this movie you know it felt like as soon as they got away from them they were right back so it, it did kind of like like you're saying, that stay on top of them, hound you, like make you afraid of like, oh gosh, what are they going to do next? And Legolas. And Legolas was oh my, my crush. Oh. Then and now. Well, <laughs> he's still everyone's crush. If he's not your crush, there's something probably wrong with you. I'll just go out and say that. Um, Can we I mean, talk for... about for a minute that how Legolas like had to be getting some during this time. He was playing Legolas and he was playing that guy in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. He was like... Which just- Top of the world. It was, laying wood. It was it was a good four or five years for yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> he was like the hottest prospect in Hollywood at the time, I feel like. Like he must have been like, oh my gosh, he's gotta be in everything. And then it was like, where'd Orlando Bloom I think go? wasn't he in the yeah. movie Elizabeth Town? Isn't that what happened to him? I yes, think that's what happened to him. I think <laughs> I think that was the start of his yeah. descent. You're correct. <laughs> Yeah, he went down, and then he disappeared, and then uh, he was like, oh, by the way, me and Katy Perry are having a baby now, and everyone's like, you're alive? <laughs> and the best part about it is when he shows up again in the Hobbit movies, um, uh, Luke Evans looks more like Legolas than Legolas looks like Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, it was very confusing when I first saw the Hobbit. I was like, wait a minute, wait, is that? No. Who's that <laughs> chunky elf? Oh, my God, that's Orlando Bloom. <laughs> In terms of when I first saw the movie, you know, Emily and I are obviously the same age. And uh, so it was kind of going through the same things. I mean, obviously at nine, I had not read The Lord of the Rings yet. Um, However, I did see all of the films in theaters. I don't know why I remember that so specifically, but they're like very much some of like the early like theater memories I have Um, would be like me and my brother going with my dad to see all the Lord of the Rings. Um, And I do remember being uh, particularly spooked by the Nazgul's. That's that and like the orcs in this are just like so grotesque that you Mm -hmm. I feel like are just meant to be terrified of them and they do it in such a better way than I feel like a lot of the other media even today still does. Like, I feel like visually these are like, Oh, these are gross, like beasts, like blah, 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 that you're supposed to feel like these visceral feelings about. Anita turned her head away from them in multiple scenes. Cause they're so disgusting in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it just like, there's something about them. Like they're, they're all unique and different, but they have these same, just like, over the top features and ugh, they still like creep me out. And I just like, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it at different points through this series, but like, I always think back to like the PS2 era games, which oh, were fantastic. And so it just good. makes me want to just like slice and dice. So for me, I remember the, the first movie came out while we were still living in Germany um, because my dad was in the army. So it came out in theaters while we were in Germany we didn't see it in a the theater, but they bought 
uh, my parents bought my oldest brother the DVD of Fellowship for his birthday, like the year we moved back, which was O two. So that was the first time that I saw it. And then we went and we saw the other two in the theaters. And maybe I'm weird, but like even back then, I thought that the orcs were like super cool because they're just like these monsters, right? Mm-hmm. And my experience with orcs prior to that was playing uh, like original RTS Warcraft. And they're just like these green dudes. And they're like, ha ha, me green. <laughs> Versus these things that want to kill you and eat you, which I thought were much cooler, especially when you get to the Return of the King movie and there's the one orc lieutenant or general that has like a head on its helmet. Mm-hmm. I think shortly after Return of the King came out, found because we had we had a copy of the trilogy that was my grandfather's. I think I found that somewhere in the house and started reading them, but I was still only like 10 or 11 at the time. So it was, took me about a year to read all three books. Um, but I, I feel like Lord of the Rings, watching the movies uh, at such a young age, kind of cemented like my taste for the fantasy genre because that's pretty much all I read. I don't read all this mystery and, and horror and stuff like that. I want to read about stuff like this. What about anything. young adult? What about it, Emily? <laughs> young, young adult like what? Like Twilight. <laughs> you, you, young adult you, like uh, the Sarah Jessica. Say like Hunger Games or like Percy Jackson. You went right to Twilight. <laughs> so, so everything's so, about Twilight. Everything. So listen, not to get I, on a whole like different thing, but I did find uh, two Twilight <laughs> vinyls that I had as, so as I, a younger adult. In in high school, I read the first Twilight book and I hated it, and I told several people throughout <laughs> the year where they could shove it. So just use your imagination. On I that. saw the movie and was like, honestly, not as bad as I expected. That's I, how I felt. I didn't I didn't see any of the movies except for the last one. Which was I went on a date that did not go well because you went to go so, see a Twilight you know. movie. I because no. I was because <laughs> kind of I didn't right into what, that one. I I didn't know what was going on. You know, like the memes where it's like girls asking their boyfriends what's going on in a movie every five seconds. It was that way, but I was like, "What the hell's going on? What is? Why is he breaking a headboard? That's expensive." <laughs> I I too read you know, the book yeah. in high school because I wanted to see what what the whole the whole deal was. It's like a four hundred page book, and the plot doesn't start till page three hundred. And I was very upset, so we went to go see the movie with some friends so we could see how bad it was. And it actually bothers me that the movie is not bad enough it's actually got like people really tried to make this into a movie <laughs> look at look at hipster high school jacob hating on the cool thing oh wait till we get to, to my first experience in lord of the rings but I, but I, it's going to lead yeah. into one of my topics so i want to hear what jeff has to say first i don't really remember but i believe i was around 14 years old when it first came out and i i do remember going to see in theaters but unfortunately like everything the slow march of time is cruel <laughs> and i've i don't really have many memories on about uh watching it originally but re rewatching it just kind of 
got the nostalgia going for me and I was like, that was cool. But I do remember that I saw the movie first and then I decided to pick up the books because I couldn't wait until the next year to watch The Two Towers. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to read these books and see how it goes. So that was kind of my thing that I remember. Uh, Emily, it's very fortuitous this is your topic because um, so old man Jacob here was 16 years old when this movie came out. <laughs> Holy crap, Ooh. Grandpa. Oh, All right, Grandpa. This... You need a cane? <laughs> I do. Look, look. My, sciat- my sciatica is acting up and I don't need this crap <laughs> from y'all. But look, this 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 movie is a formative film in my life. I remember seeing it. I distinctly remember seeing it in theaters because I was friends with a bunch of freaking nerds and they were all reading the books and I was reading the ah, books too. And we were all like following. Some things never change. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, we were all getting really excited about it. So we go to see it and, and, and this is going to lead into, uh, if you don't mind me talking about the topic of like this movie having what, in my opinion, one of the greatest film openings of all time, um, which I think is one of the strong points. So I go to the theater and I'm flipping out to see this movie, this gargantuan epic. And you're all probably, except for Jeff, too young to know this. But like this movie was uh, was it was like when Harry Potter came out. It was a thing. Mm-hmm. It was just it was it was oh, it was absolutely. it was all over the place. You couldn't escape it. It was amazing. And um so the thing with fantasy films is before Lord of the Rings, a lot of them were garbage and like, yeah, there are some good ones out there, but like, they're usually like low quality. They were either mm-hmm. like fairy tale fantasy or like people dressed in, in like Robin hood esque sort of like medieval style stuff. And, uh, or, or they were like sword and sorcery Conan, the barbarian, you know, everything is a dirt desert and you have swords and a fur bikini and you're smacking each other with swords. Like that's, fantasy before Lord of the Rings in film was completely abandoned. And if you look at AFI's top 10 list, you'll notice Lord of the Rings is like the only one that you would actually be like, oh wait, that, that's right, that's a fantasy. It's a Wonderful Life is on that list. How is that a fantasy film? Okay, moving on. <laughs> it's just, but that's, that's the thing. It's like to it was said, not, that's it was, a great movie. It is a good movie. It's just mm-hmm. like, why is it on the fantasy yeah. list? But that's besides the point. So I go to this movie and I also, if you like, I've written about this before on geek and spiel, but there are some movies like they'll start with text, like to read, to give you the mm-hmm. exposition. And that to me is usually with the exception of star Wars is the sign. The movie is going to suck. And like Assassin's Creed did it. And that movie blows and like other mm-hmm. like straight to DVD nonsense does, does this crap. So Lord of the Rings opens up and it's got Kate Blanchett, doing a voiceover this incredibly epic voiceover and the music rises and it just says lord of the rings in this badass like text Mm -hmm. and then it just goes through the exposition of the story they don't rush it they don't they don't they don't like bash you over the head with it they don't hold your hand they're just like here are some elves here are some dwarves this is men you got it good they got some rings Bad shit happened, and they had to fight them. How how cool was that fight? Oh, we're gonna fucking show you because they don't. Because I read the books, there's no mm-hmm. scene about the book doesn't open up with, and then Sauron started smashing elves and men like they were made of fucking paper with a mace. So sixteen year old Jacob sitting there slack jawed while Sauron's going around bashing people through the air, and I'm like, this is so fucking badass. And then, not the extended edition doesn't open like this, but then it moves to like. Frodo sitting under a tree waiting for Gandalf 
and Gandalf comes singing on his thing and he runs over and he goes, oh, you're late. And Gandalf's like, a wizard is never late. And he's so fucking serious. And then they look at each other and then they start cracking and they start smiling and laughing and he jumps in. It's all like, oh, and the tone completely shifts. So the minute that scene happens, I will always remember seeing that scene for the first time. That's when I knew this film was going to be something special. If it, it, it had it had adventure and heart and meaning, and it was only like the first five fucking minutes of this film, and so I spent the rest of the time like just wide eyed, um, soaking it in. And now, I, and I don't know about you guys. I don't know how often you went to the movies when you were younger. I saw this film in theaters four fucking times. Oh my god! Four times, and I have friends who saw it even more. And that's how much. I, that's how much I loved seeing Lord of the Rings. And um, yeah, so that's that's my experience, Emily, and I want to talk about it. And to me, it's, I still think this is one of the best openings in a film just ever done. Imagine mm-hmm. if it didn't have that. <laughs> it's just, I, I, think, I think if it didn't have that, then the movie would never have taken off. I think, yeah, they, sure, they still would have come out with the second and third movies because they were all filmed at the same time. But it would have done. It it would have just been forgotten about. Like uh, I don't know, Aragon. <laughs> you mean like the the the, mm. the one about the dragon? Yeah, <laughs> those books were amazing. They were and, really good. No, the the books are fantastic. The movie was absolute. I I heard yeah. it was really bad. Even I can't redeem it, and I am the I am the person that looks for good things in. Not good places, other than Bird after reading that. When Jeff, that when Jeff hates a go. movie, you know it's bad. That's how bad. It is. <laughs> but doesn't Jeff also love the Fast and the Furious? I thought you loved. The oh, Fast I, race. I thought everyone loved the Fast, Fast and the Furious. Furious. <laughs> I can turn off my brain and just be like, "Oh, Vin Diesel wants to go fast." It's family. But yes. something you hit on, Jacob, I feel like is that this was like the best fantasy movie up to this point. And Mm -hmm. I think that also speaks for itself in that how mainstream it got, because I had family and friends who would never go anywhere, you know, like not really consider fantasy as a serious thing. And then like they would watch it, enjoy it. And I mean, it's a household series. Do you know how what it's like to like grow up next to Jeff's family like I did? Jeff Jeff was exposed to like I remember going to their house and they were watching like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and like you go to my house my parents are like here's a here's an old VHS of The Music Man and like like <laughs> I can totally my, see like that. me me discovering my love of fantasy was something I had to do by myself. Because that my parents are like, here's some, we're reading nonfiction books and watching our non-cable television. Enjoy. It's like, oh. <laughs> so I, to- but I totally get that because it's like people like, like, ew, like elves and magic and stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. a, it's it, bef- like, there's still like an idea of like, that's not super cool, but it's gotten because of this movie. I, I even though it was like 10, 15 years later, I think this movie is the reason that D and D kind of came back the way it did and started making I was literally oh. going to ask that like what came first D&D or fellowship or Lord Well of if the you want to get if you want to start going uh, real far back it starts off with Lord of the Rings because D&D stole so much from that not stole they were inspired so like D&D is is basically Gary Gygax taking all of his favorite fantasy sci-fi and horror and 
combining it into into something with a lot of D&D. But there's Conan in there. There's even some Lovecraft. There's all sorts of nonsense in there. But it's very, very Tolkien. I mean, it makes so much sense because, I mean, this fellowship that uh, we get introduced to in this movie is literally like your basis of all the races in D&D. <laughs> exactly. You know exactly. I mean? It's like the perfect, yeah. like, ideal elf, ideal dwarf, barbarian. You know, it's like perfect uh, representation. I mean, Aragorn is called a ranger. He's a right. ranger. Like <laughs> The only ranger that was ever cool. <laughs> Not untrue. Now, so upon watching just Fellowship, I feel like there were two groups of people, at least, you know, I was young, at least my age, where it was either you were team Legolas or you were team Aragorn um, for who was the <laughs> coolest character. And where did you guys fall on that? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the dark horse here and say team Gimli. Gimli? That's just how I roll. Okay. I mean, so I totally, and, and yeah, know, totally makes sense for you, but we know that about me. But an issue that I have is that in the books, Gimli is more like a very stoic warrior poet. And mm-hmm. then in the movie, they turned him into uh, a bunch of Hot jokes about, comic about being. Sh- yeah, they turned him into the comic relief, which is fine, but I would prefer like actual Gimli more. Mm-hmm. His brotherhood with Legolas was a highlight running through all three movies with me. Oh, I, yeah. I will talk about that extensively when we get to return of the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the um, Sean, what you're saying there, I'm going to have to go with Aragorn. And the reason is because he's actually a fully fleshed out character and all Legolas right. does. All he does in this movie is give exposition. The entire trilogy. All he does is state the obvious or what is happening. Yeah, he's like the iced tea of Law and Order SVU, but in <laughs> Lord of the Rings. It's great. Also, and then he yeah. does acrobatics. He's like, I don't really have any value, but check this out. I'd also, slash, slash. I'd also like to point out that Orlando Bloom said that he didn't really know what to do with the character in terms of like how he's supposed to look. So he would, you know, he makes all those weird faces. <laughs> yes. He was just like, he was just like, I watched the animated movie, and then I just did that. Weird faces, uh, like the vinegar strokes were forced oh, to watch uh, Frodo go through numerous <laughs> yeah, times. throughout the entire movie. It makes me so uncomfortable. He's like, oh. I watched that first scene with the ring, and I was like, oh, no, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it is like uncomfortable. I'm like, ugh, no, thank you. That's <laughs> like the Legolas thing. I'm sitting there watching this movie for like the billionth time in my life, and it's the fight scene at the very end. And Legolas like shoots an arrow through one orc, and another orc runs into that orc, but also gets impaled. Mm-hmm. And I'm just watching, and I just outright, I just look to me. I'm like, Legolas is such bullshit. He's he the is such greatest. a nice <laughs> He is your like, video he's game. He's got like character. a plus six mod in <laughs> so his, you know, he is the Batman of the Lord of the Rings. With very little backstory <laughs> and just bullshit things. Legolas is such a bullshit. But I think, you know, as a kid, I feel like I was definitely Team Legolas, not just because he was the cutest, but also because he he did have like that kind of cool factor. Um, and I played him in the video games. Uh, I forgot to mention that in my, you know, childhood moment. Like that those were my favorite video games at the time. But 
I feel like now as an adult, definitely like Jacob said, Aragorn has so much more to his character because he does have that backstory that you learn about, you know, piece by piece throughout the trilogy. And also like his whole relationship with Arwen and he's a badass soldier. So it's like, (laughs) there's a lot more to him. It's just, Emily, I just want to put it out there that Arwen's scenes in this movie are the fucking worst. They're stop just, it! You better stop it no, right no. Look, now. Look, look the, the fact that like like the fact that they changed it from the book where she's the one who takes Frodo to the to Rivendell. I don't care about that. That's cool. She's on the horse. It's badass. But every scene with her and Aragorn is just like, oh, good. This is the time to use the bathroom or get a drink. Like, no, yeah, yeah, that's uh, what it is. No, I would rather spend a life. She is giving up her immortality. Oh my god! For the love she has for Aragorn. How, how was she written in the book? She's was not. She, kind of she doesn't appear till the third book. What? She appears. Okay. Oh, well. Here's 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 a good topic <laughs> to talk about. Like it's hard to look at this movie in a modern context because it is white as snow and there are no women. Yeah. I literally was. We were talking about that because I was thinking, you know, in a modern recast, like surely they would have included different races. I, yeah, I agree. And like, but like in the Tolkien was bad with that. There, there was only one real woman character, and it wasn't Arwen. It was Eowyn, who doesn't even appear to the second one. Ar- Oof, now, if you re- and she's annoying. Now maybe Eric, <laughs> maybe Eric, who's who who's gonna she take charge to take away Aragorn. <laughs> who, who wants all the stuff? You might remember because I think they go more into Ar- to Arwen stuff in like the appendixes, but I never I never read those. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. In the in the written in the books, it's a lot more, in a lot of the extra stuff. So you have like the histories of Middle Earth and stuff like that, um, or like the Silmarillion, where um, you you learn more about like the history of the elves. Um, and a fun fact with the elves is that Galadriel is actually um, Arwen's grandmother. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, huh. um, which kind of kind of takes me into one of the things that i want to talk about as far as references to some of the later written works that are in the movie but that a lot of people probably wouldn't get so in the scene when they are leaving lothlorien and galadriel's asking everybody what they want and gimli asks her for a single strand of her hair and she gives him three the significance of that is that in the Silmarillion, there was an elf named Feanor who wanted to capture the beauty, the, the essence of the most beautiful things in the world uh, and into these gems called the Silmarils. One of the things that he asked for to be able to do that is that he asked on three separate occasions for one strand of her hair. And every time she said no. So that kind of like smart ass look that Legolas gives after Gimli says she gave me three, that's where that kind of like knowledge comes in. And hmm. which I've I've read about that on Reddit, which is a really cool little thing. And there's no way anyone who watches the movie could pick up on that. No, but it's um, a nice little nod to people who do. An- another thing that I want to touch on is uh, I'm going to start it with a question: is in the movie. You know that Bilbo leaves the ring and, and Bag End and all of that to Frodo. And then Gandalf says, you know, keep the ring secret, blah, blah, blah. And he goes off to research the ring. 
How long do you think he was gone? Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, it had to have been um, a, a good minute. <laughs> so, he, had to get, he had to travel all the way there. But then there's a lot of so, places in this movie where, like, time isn't even yeah, real. It's like, how long have they been together? Like, when Frodo was yeah. like, you know, my travel, you know, my journey's not been what I expected. And I was like, has it been, like, two days or, like, two months? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I can't so, tell. So, the, so Frodo's actual journey takes about, I think, uh, I think they get that right in the movie. They say it's, like, 13 months. Yeah, it takes what? about but, a little over. It, the entire Lord of the yeah. Rings takes the course over about a year. Okay, the entire thing. So from like all three movies. No, no, no. From when they leave with the ring to throwing it in the fucking mountain, that's a year, like thirteen months or so. Mm. So, in the book, when Gandalf leaves to go try and find out about the ring, he is gone for seventeen years. That's a no. That's a no. Because I was thinking like a week. <laughs> Two weeks? It's, no, it's 17 it's, years. It's 17 years. So for context, when they have the birthday party for Bilbo at the beginning of the movie, it's his 111th birthday. It's also Frodo's 33rd birthday, which is the coming-of-age birthday for Hobbits. No, Frodo's like 18. <laughs> no, no, this is one of the <laughs> know, weird I things. Know. Like, the Hobbits are they're much older than like humans, but they're like he's still middle-aged when he goes on this trip. Yeah. Um, and in the book... They do not touch. They don't touch on it at all in the movie. But in the books, um, Gandalf meets up with Aragorn because Aragorn, as we know, is the only ranger in any fiction that has ever done a goddamn thing. <laughs> and, and they hunt down. They hunt down Gollum to try and get the information. So they capture Gollum and they take him to Mirkwood, where Legolas lives with uh, Branduil and the Wood Elves and a bunch of losers is what they are. <laughs> And then Gollum somehow escapes, and then Sauron tortures him. Um, but yeah, in, in the book, it's 17 years. In the movie, they can construe it as maybe about a year, because the birthday party is mm -hmm. in September, and when they make it to uh, Rivendell, it, he says it's... Oct uh, Gandalf tells Frodo that it's October. Mm. So you yeah. can you can, in the movie, maybe say, it's oh, it's been about a year. But in actuality, it was, it was almost 20 of those. You know, that makes a lot of sense for like a lot of different things that I feel like you're kind of like just accepting in the movie. Like when like they are at the Prancing Pony and Aragorn like has his eye on Frodo and kind of knows what's going on. It's like how, you know, before knowing that, what you just said, Eric, it's like, how does he know? Does he just have like an extra sense about him? You know? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of context that gets dropped because uh -huh. of the format of how they have to make the film and um, bilbo is so much older in rivendell but i just assumed it was because he doesn't have the ring anymore and so that that is the reason though Same. yeah because yeah. it was um yeah but but with that i kind of want to flash back to at the end of the third hobbit movie you know legolas gets told to go and find aragorn if you account for that 17 year gap that the movie doesn't at that point in time, Aragorn would have been about 10 years old. <laughs> Fucking so, hate the Hobbit movies, man. Fucking you can <laughs> you can you can marinate on that one however you want. Well, do you think they just, you know, they were playing to the movie and not to like those details? It took a book. really long time to find him, you guys. I don't see what the problem <laughs> yeah, it's is. Like, it's, it's, it's a took very a good hider. <laughs> but at 10 years old, he wouldn't have been a ranger already. Right. 
So I maybe mean, he was that badass. <laughs> yeah. How fucking how fucking D and D is that tavern scene? By the way, oh my you god! Go into, you so four, four party members show up and a strange guy in the corner is mm-hmm. giving you a fucking quest. Stellar, <laughs> so stellar. I mean, there's so many things you could and like all of uh the Minds of Moria is like dungeon crawling. You know, <laughs> all these different enemies. Here's the thing about the Moria scene. To me, it's like the best scene in the movie, like the entire thing, and then like mm-hmm. everything afterwards feels like a huge letdown. And not like a huge letdown, but like I I was waiting on pins and needles for the Balrog scene because I knew mm-hmm. it was coming. And then I'm like, ah, and then it happens and then it's over. And then I'm like, oh, I have nothing else to look forward to at the moment. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. whole Minds of Moria scene is like back to back. I mean, it starts with like that sea monster and then you're you know seeing everyone dead and then they find a they find a couple of the skeletons of the dwarves from the hobbit mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. pippin you know helps everyone out finds all the orc he gets the action moving <laughs> yep as as he is known to do uh-huh. i'll be honest until this rewatch i for some reason thought pippin and mary were brothers like this whole time they're hobbits. They might be. I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, they I look like that. twins. Like for they sure. look so similar to me compared to like Frodo and Sam that I just assumed they were brothers. And then I was watching, and like they called them different last names, and I was like, "Well, hold on a minute. Are they not brothers? I think that they're cousins or something. Mm-hmm. I know for sure because he even says it in the movie that Frodo is Pippin's second cousin. Yeah, once removed on, on his, his mother's, mother's side." side. Correct. This 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 movie is so good. It's so good, you guys. There's so many quotables from this oh, very man. first movie alone. Like you think of all of Gandalf's sayings, like just the beginning. You know, like Jacob was talking about the like when does he arrive, and then like the fly you fools, and mm-hmm. obviously Sean Bean's stellar meme. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, we, we, oh we my gosh, that was like up. it's like a lead up moment to getting to that point. <laughs> But I would also, I'd also like to say that in that scene in the Council of Elrond, the way that Gimli tries to deal with the ring is the most dwarven thing you <laughs> could possibly do. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna hit it with an axe. We're gonna call it a day. No more, no more Sauron." Well, how about the fucking shade that Aragorn gives when he's like, uh, not Aragorn, um, where oh, what's his the guy, the Rivendell leader, um, the Matrix guy, Elrond. Thank you, slipped my mind for a second, Elrond, where Agent where, Smith. Where he's like, where he's like, uh, he's like, uh, this, this, this group of of elves and men, and the camera goes to Gimli and all free people. It's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> well, the so shade. shade. <laughs> well, I mean, before the Fellowship of the Ring existed, elves and dwarves, as we know, do not get along. Yeah. And right. I, That's Gim- like- Gimli and Legolas single handedly are like. We're the reason why we get along now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sorry, going back to the uh, tavern scene for a minute. After all the traveling that the hobbits did to get there, all the clandestine stuff, and I forgot what was the Pepin or Mary, just blurting that all out loud. <laughs> Pretty sure it was Pippin. How, it's, oh, it's hey, Pippin. If someone fucks up, it's Pippin. It's always hey, yeah, Pippin. It's Pippin. <laughs> and I'm just like. <laughs> Are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> oh my god. 
you've spent this whole entire whole entire time Metal Gear Soliding this, <laughs> and then ah. What I really appreciate about this movie, like after reading the books, because because like there's a lot of differences, but they, it's also really close to the books, which is nice. But they he he fills in things that you don't see, like in or they just explain in the book, like Gandalf in both The Hobbit and in Lord of the Rings disappears for large quantities of times and then mm-hmm. returns, so you don't see him. You only you see him meet with with Saruman. Um, uh, in the book, but you don't like you don't see the fight or anything like that or him escape. But when that fight happens with with Christopher Lee Saruman, like that wizard fight, mm-hmm. I still think that's like a badass scene. And it's it's kind of silly when you mm-hmm. think about it. They're just kind of like sticking like sticking their wands at each other, stabs and like falling over. And yet there's something kind of badass oh! about it. <laughs> I, I did not like watching it back now. I was like, I feel like this could have been so much cooler. Yes, it but sixteen-year-old Jacob thought it was amazing. <laughs> I was like, I freaking we loved it. Men air push each other. <laughs> Get out the walkers. <laughs> Check the hips. Come on. Uh, one one other thing that I want to uh, like branching off of that things that get added into the movie, something that was taken out, which is a very important question: Where the fuck is Tom Bombadil? Oh, you know what, Eric? Let me rephrase that question for you. Hey, guys, everyone here, did you think this movie was too short? Would you have liked to add another 30 minutes of nonsense that would have made you angry? <laughs> like, would you like to open I... up to a, would you like to open up to a 12-foot motherfucker in armor bashing people and then a wizard having mm-hmm. badass fireworks and then continue this nonsense with black riders and stuff with the weirdest fucking shit you've ever seen? All right. All right. All right. You're not wrong, but it's very important nonsensical bullshit. No, it's not. It leads to nothing. It It is is literally unimportant. No, 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 no. No, Because the reason in the books, the Nazgul. Hold on, hold on. on. Are you guys familiar with Tom Bombadil? Not in the slightest. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Eric, go on. I just want to see. (laughs) So in in the movie, very conveniently, Aragorn has four Hobbit-sized swords. In the books... They meet Tom Bombadil and they kill something. Let me let me find what it was called again. No, he they get eaten by a fucking tree. They get eaten by a tree in the barrows. He and he them, and this and this he gives them the swords that the ring rates don't like. It's very important. They were afraid of the they didn't like the, the Hobbit swords because they were magic. Do we don't listen. This, Around here, we respect Tom. No, Bombadil. Tom Bombadil okay. is this figure that he's got like a long beard. He's Tom Dom Jolly Bomb. Tom Bombadil. He does. He sings songs. He 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 magically tells a tree to spit the hobbits out, which they kind of do in the second movie a little bit. It's kind of like that scene. And then like they find these swords. He gives them these swords that can kill them. I don't fucking care. It doesn't matter because because basically he's a waste of time. He's this. Like, is he a god? Is he a spirit? Because he picks up the ring and puts it on and doesn't and it doesn't affect him. He's like older than time itself for some nonsense and sings ridiculous songs. Hey, jolly ho, jolly Tom Bombadil, Bombadillo. And it would have been like it, it would it would have been like you're watching Lord of the Rings and like Krusty the Clown from The Simpsons shows up and goes, hey, hey, hey. Like, that's what it would have been like watching that. I feel like that would have made an excellent addition. <laughs> I just want to point can, out that when you, you can search, disagree, but you're wrong. When you search Tom Bombadil, 
one of the first things that comes up says, what is the point of Tom Bombadil? And someone responded, the purpose of Tom world building, world building wise was to show that godlike beings existed in Middle Earth and they weren't all evil. The purpose of Tom plot wise was fuck all. <laughs> And you look up and look up some art of him, and it's just like, what? No, yeah. no, just he doesn't. He's, he's a jolly old man, and we miss him. Th- this brings up to another good point. I I miss him. This this brings up to another good point. I want to make this clear. Tolkien's son hated these movies, and Tolkien himself Aww. would have fucking hated these movies. Because I was looking up some trivia about Tolkien before this, and besides the fact that he himself was a huge nerd, he used to show up to like dinner parties in like full Saxon Viking gear and bear outfits, mm, like yeah. like and invented an entire language and then wrote a book around it. Like he, that's not a nerd. That's a that's a insane person. <laughs> and yet he hated hated every adaption adaptation of this in every possible way because he felt that nobody was getting to the core meaning or like soul of the actual story and i and i promise you these movies are incredibly far away because these are action-packed adventures of mm-hmm. sorting and shit and adventuring and to him that was not the important stuff and and not only that but like the people who who really liked lord of the rings like before this era were like nonsense hippies People were smoking up and reading these books back in like the days when this came out, and they were like the big fan base. And and he was not a fan oh, of that. Oh, did you mean Led Zeppelin? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> who have who had literally written songs about this? Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> continue. You can continue. I, mean, I just wanted to interject there. Yeah. I just wanted to interject there. No, I just wanted to say that he would have that he would have fucking hated them, these movies. But uh but he's dead and um and I'm glad they were made. Yeah. What I wanted to say is that now I, w- I wasn't saying that the special effects weren't bad, but they didn't age as well as, say, like a. Uh, I'm blanking on the movie, but there is something that aged, that aged well with CG graphics and I don't remember at all. You want to know what movie well, still looks good? Jurassic Park. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I will say, yes. I guess the only thing worthwhile to bring up is that this and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out literally a month apart from each other. And so we went what from... A time. And and for w- what it's worth, obviously, the Sorcerer's Stone has its flaws. It's not as good a movie as the Lord of the Rings franchise and the Fellowship mm. in particular. Um, but to go from like, you know, we we're talking about having no fantasy representation you know to the masses to a degree to like these being the top two movies of this new mm-hmm. millennia like i feel like really just kind of kicked it all off mm-hmm. absolutely and i i think it was lord of the rings and harry potter coming together that made fantasy so accessible to what it is now oh yeah, very much yeah. that's definitely kind of what helped shaped my interest as a child like both of these franchises along with star wars which you know predates it and my dad was just obsessed with like that like just kind of like so much encompassed what i was into as a child and like the games and and literature that i wanted to pursue growing up and i'm telling you this stuff was like it it really felt like there was not as much of it or the quality of it was not as good for a lot of it before this era. I mean, there were fantasy writers and fantasy authors, but just the boom in like publishing and gaming and just, just everything around there, like afterwards, 
is incredible. And you guys were very young, so you you probably didn't like see it as much as like maybe Jeff and I did. But like just the complete acceptance that came after the, these movies just destroyed the box office and people were like whoa this is so cool and that's nothing too with like fantasy art fantasy like if you look at a lot of older fantasy art it's it's terrible like if you look at like early magic the gathering art and like the early monsters and like the monster manuals for like first and second and third edition D, this stuff is like it, it it really doesn't look that much different than the Stranger Things kids dressing up as wizards and in, in when they're doing D and D like that's kind of what it mm-hmm. was, and then like Aragorn comes out wearing this like you know badass outfit and and um it just uh he looks cool yeah, and gritty and 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 Legolas is just like neat and and everyone just looks so like gritty and realistic and and cool it looks cool in a fantasy way, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's still more to go you know even after these films because i feel like people were like oh these are awesome films and i love it but then like it's almost like they still didn't realize it how fantasy it was to a degree you know like because i feel like even today there's people who loved lord of the rings or who think they're great but then it's like oh here's D and they're like mm, <laughs> nerds. that's nerdy <laughs> you know so but i definitely do feel like it opened the door to mainstream and a couple things um, just to talk about, like, I'm, I'm not going to – I don't know if you guys ever watched. I watched really early on, like, years ago, like, the 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 special behind-the-scenes stuff. And if you ever even just read about it, about this movie, you should because the detail that went into these films is absurd. The, mm-hmm. the, the truth of the matter is this movie um, – uh, when who was a New Line Cinema because it was it was first pushed to Miramax and they said it was too much so New Line Cinema took it on they put all their money into this and if this these films failed New Line Cinema would have just died completely and they the so Peter Jackson put together his own workshop way to workshops which is what they use now for everything because they're so good every orc species had its own type of armor every like piece of clothing was like hand done like even the close ups on like their their shirts you see they're like homespun it's just the quality of this movie the practical effects parts were just like they built they built the shire you can go visit the shire you can go yeah. to new zealand now and and pop inside a little hill home it's just it's really impressive and uh and and honestly like you could talk about this for several podcasts so i just wanted to throw that out there if anyone's interested read up or watch because it's super cool the amount of effort that went into these films and they also mention it have and did you, any of y'all watch the josh gad together apart uh episode they did on lord of the Rings? no i missed it oh it's so fun oh it's so good and peter jackson's on it and if you're not familiar with the together apart series it's like josh gad just video calls all of the cast from a movie or all the characters he can get at least and um they do a couple scene read-throughs and then they talk about some behind the scenes stuff. And um, I think they touched on some of the details that you mentioned and just some of the stories of like, I forget which characters it was. Was it, Sean, do you remember if it was Vigo and someone else, but like they had to stay at some random person's house in the middle of the countryside in New Zealand because they got oh, like yeah, I don't remember rain. Who it was. There was like a flood on their way to the set and like, uh, Oh, and Vigo, you know, he kind of was like the last, one of the last people casted, I think. And he got flown in. Yeah. And like the first scene he did was the. It's like one of them towards the end. Yeah. Or it was the Nazgul fighting. The yeah, scene yeah, yeah, with yeah. The Hobbit. So, um, but yeah, so that was really cool and definitely should check it out. 
so I I want to piggyback kind of off of the practical effects thing that that Jacob was just going on about. Um, at that in that fight at the end of the movie when they're fighting the Urkai and and Frodo and and is 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 escaping, um, you know you have the the big the big dude who shot Boromir, and and killed Boromir, throws a knife at Aragorn, so. When it's scripted, it, he wasn't supposed to throw it like at his face, but the the stunt actor screwed up and threw the knife directly at Viggo Mortensen. And being actual, factual, real life Aragorn, he just yonk knocked it to the side. But I do also, uh, in, in terms of a detail, um, I love the design for the swords that the Oryx have, where it's mm-hmm. got like that big hook yes. on the end. Um, mm-hmm. because you can use that to yank away at somebody's shield or to, if you get low enough at the hilt of their sword, you can yank at their sword and throw them off guard, which is, uh, very cool. Uh, another quick little cool trivia thing. Um, Christopher Lee was the only actor in the movie who actually met Tolkien. Correct. He's been wanting, he was, he's been wanting to be in a movie of this forever. He wanted to be Gandalf. Um, but um, <laughs> but let's talk about how like badass Christopher Lee is. Like, oh, I know he's he, he he's on some heavy metal albums. Like, he's got like a, he made he made a death metal Christmas album. Given Christopher Lee, you know, he fought in World War II. Um, oh, yeah he he was he was that old in Return of the King when they get to Isengard and he's standing on top of the tower with the weird dude that I don't like. And he gets stabbed right in the back. Um, Peter Jackson had told him to imagine what it sounds like when a man gets stabbed in the back. And Christopher Lee, being the absolute badass that he was, said, I don't have to imagine it. I know what it's like. Yeah, he told him what, like, that no sound would actually happen and explained it to him. It was (laughs) that scene, by the way, if you don't have the extended editions, you won't see it because it was cut completely from the movie. Eric, as somebody who's who's read the books and enjoyed it, how do you feel about the f- the fact that Boromir's death is at the end of this movie instead of at the start of the second one? I feel I feel like it's better placed at the end of the first movie. Agreed, because it gives you kind of a sense kind of a sense of closure that mm-hmm. this is the end of this step of the journey. Um, if you listen to the music, so when they're in Rivendell and they have the Council of Elrond, you hear the the musical theme for the fellowship of the ring and it's full in its entirety and then after that you never really hear it in its entirety again uh because they lose gandalf which we know he comes back but they lose gandalf and you can see you can hear in the music at that point that 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 theme is starting to break up um which is even more cemented when they're at the in the woods and Boromir tries to take the ring and then he dies. Um, But I feel like putting that here instead of in the beginning of the second movie allows the second movie to start at a better pace because you have, you have now the motivation um, where, you know, him and him and Aragorn have had their moment and he says, I would have followed you, you know, my brother, my captain, my King. And that's, that's the moment I think that, kind of cements for Aragorn that he knows that he has to take up that responsibility mm-hmm. to become the king. Now, in the books, he has the the he has the sword, you know, that that he gets in the return of the king. He has that sword the entire time. Um 
originally it's only broken into two pieces and I think they reforge it during the Council of Elrond and he has it throughout the entire rest of the series. But in the movie they gave it to him when they were getting ready to go to the siege of Minas Tirith to kind of say, you know, hey, this is this is fully and entirely what you need to do. Put aside the ranger, become the the king kind of thing. Which I think I think yeah. I think Peter Jackson did an amazing job translating these move from a books to movies. Yeah. I, the only last thing I was gonna say is you were talking about Boromir's last scene Boromir's last scenes. And I just feel like they did such a great job of like capturing like his falter, you know, trying to get the ring from Frodo and then like redemption, trying to save Mary and Pippin and those last words to Aragorn, like how they did that so quickly and it still feels so full of like a character story for Boromir. I just, it was great. They did that That's really well. It, yeah, it, it was, it was, that was awesome. It was very well done. And I think that Aragorn taking the, um, the, the gauntlets or mm-hmm. arm guards, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I feel like that was a very, uh, a very, very beautiful way to honor you know somebody like that he because they were they were comrades they were part of the fellowship and even though Boromir faltered they still at at, at the end came to terms with each other and had that acceptance between one another I never noticed until this watch through that he takes his arm guards yeah mhm and just knowing like you know now having watched the whole series so many times like how important Boromir was like I feel like that wasn't like, you know, he's important because he's here at this council, but I feel like, what is it, Two Towers, or is it all the way in The Return of the King where it's like, we're at Gondor and it's like, oh, like, Boromir was like, that bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they touch on it in the extended version for Two Towers, but if you don't watch the extended version, it's not really until Return of the King. Wait, there's another, there's another movie besides the extended? Yeah, there's... Uh, <laughs> for some people... Probably, but for me, not since 2006. (laughs) I think we're going to... So somehow we ended up not owning Fellowship of the Ring digitally, but we own the extended versions of Two Towers and Return of the King digitally. I don't know why we didn't get Fellowship, so we had to watch it on HBO. Luckily, they had it. We converted them. So Voodoo has where you can convert your hard disk copies for a couple bucks to digital. Um, and I cannot find our case for the fellowship for some reason. So for the last couple of years, we've owned two and three, but never one. That's tragic. Thanks. So HBO we'll be able to watch the extended for the rest, but this one we could not. You, you know, I have the first and I think the second Hobbit on DVD. I don't even know if I have the second one. I don't have the third and I never will. And I really, kind of, and I really hope I act. And, and here's the thing: like, I'm gonna have to if we do the Hobbit, I'm gonna need to find a way to watch it. And I kind of do because I, I need to express my anger. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I only watched the Hobbit series. There, there's a there's a lot of that to go around. Don't worry, Eric. Did you say anything else you want to do or say before we we call this a a thing? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't really have anything else. I kind of. Uh, went into the few things that I thought were were fun little trivia. Um, I think everybody else talked about some really good things. If everybody else is happy, I think we're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we're calling this podcast uh, Movie Freaks. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite movies as we rewatch them. Um, just discussing kind of some of the ins and outs, and especially the ones that are based off of books. I 
think we're trying to do this every other week. It won't be a weekly thing. Um, I'd be I'd be very happy if we get to do it every other week. Uh, and the next one that we'll be doing, we'll be doing the Lord of the Rings Two Towers to continue on this um, series with uh, these movies. So that's all we've got for you this week on this movie. Uh, again, I'm Eric, and I've been joined by uh, Jacob, Jeff, Emily, and Sean. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Thanks. Movie Freaks is a production of the Peach Geeks Network. This episode was hosted by Eric Bowser and co-starred Jacob Gallet, Jeffrey McKenney, Emily Horan, and Sean Horan. This episode was originally recorded on July 12, 2020 and was edited by Jacob Gallet. The intro and outro music is courtesy of Roman Senek Music with an available link in the podcast notes. For more information on Peach Geeks podcasts or to join in the conversation, join our Discord channel with a link available in the notes. Thanks for listening.